Good evening, everyone. Good evening and welcome back. Welcome back to the Porsche Cooled Podcast. My name is Michael Bath. This is Owner's Stories. It's Tuesday. Um, I'm recording this episode very, very late. Um, I'm actually recording and I'm going to give it away. Um, I haven't been very organized. Uh, I've been very busy with other things going on, but I'm recording this on Monday at 6.46 p.m. here in Sydney. I'm about to contact, uh, connect, I should say, with uh, David, uh, who lives up in the Hunter Valley. David and I have chatted over uh, DMs before. David's got a good story. He's got a really, really, really nice uh, 9-11, one that we all uh, all chase after or want one. I think most of us want one. A lot of us want one. I mean, it's a great <coughs> it's a great 9-11, and you would have seen it in the title what it is. I'm not going to give it away. We'll let David introduce it. Um, but yeah, so I'm recording this very, very late, so I'm going to... Uh, Finish the recording with David, and then I'm going to edit, and then I'm going to get it up for the uh, Patreon members. If you haven't been to Patreon before, we have a Patreon page, Porsche Cooled, uh, patreon.com slash Porsche Cooled. If you go there, um, you can help support the podcast, help keep us talking, help these owner stories keep going, uh, help us buy more equipment, etc. Um, and you can join uh, Porsche Cooled, Porsche Cooled Exclusive, Porsche Cooled Exclusive Plus uh, for as low as $2 a month. Um, every little bit helps. Uh, if you can support us there, that would be fantastic. Anyway, owner stories. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much in the beginning because I think we're going to fill the hour with David's story. Uh, so let me just get David on the line through Zoom and let's start talking about his Porsche Cooled owner story. Okay, welcome back, everyone. Welcome back to Owner Stories. Um, I forgot to say it in the intro. We're at number 61. This is number 61 of the Owner Stories um, series. Um, I think I might have mentioned before I introduced David, I think I might have mentioned a couple of weeks ago. I'm thinking about doing another series, which is similar to Owner Stories, but I guess it's with... uh, with a different type of Porsche person. So I'm sort of tying that up with people in Sydney at the moment. So that'll be coming uh, in the new year. I don't know whether it's going to be three episodes a week, but there'll definitely still be two, I think, but there definitely won't be three, that's for sure. Um, All right, so owner stories. I've got a good one today. Um, I've been meaning to get David on owner stories for a while. Um, David, welcome to the podcast. David's coming in from the Hunter Valley in uh, New South Wales in Australia, not that far from where I am really, uh, well, a couple hours away. That's about it. David, thanks for joining me today. Uh, thanks, Michael. Pleasure to be here. I'm glad you can come on. And, I, I, you know, everyone's already seen in the title what, what car you are driving at the moment, what your current 911 is. Um, for some reason, out of superstition, I never like to mention it. I always like the, uh, the owner to mention it. But you're one of the first people I've had on with this car. No one else has been on with, the, uh, with this GT3 uh, variant, I will call it. Yeah, well, yeah, they're pretty. They're pretty rare oh, in Australia. You know, it varies between us people. Somewhere between twenty and thirty are in Australia, and even like in America and in the UK, I think there's only about seventy in the UK, and it might be six or seven hundred in America, something like that. Yeah, it's a very special car. We're going to get into that very, very shortly. But before we go there, David, let's let's start. Let's start at the very beginning um, because we've got a bit to get through. Let's start at the very beginning about. Your first memories of Porsche, you, you know, you just told me off recording you've owned a few cars, including BMWs, which we can talk about. But let's let's go back to that first memory. Is there a first memory you have of, of, of seeing a, a Porsche? Like, was it, did you have friends that owned them? Did you, anyone in your family own one? Or was it just something you saw on the street when you were growing up? What what are the first memories you have of, of, of seeing a Porsche and thinking, you know, maybe one day I could get one of those? Well, more when I was, when I was growing up, um, I was more like muscle cars and things like that, you know, you know, Falcons and GT Falcons and Commodores and Tiranas and those sort of things. And yep. it was only when I moved out of home, um, I moved in with three uh, Kiwi guys 
And one of the guys I moved in with was just mad about 9-11s. If you were driving in with a car with him, he'd go, oh, look, 9-11. Or you know, even if you went past a billboard and the clock was 9-11, he'd go, oh, 9-11. Well, that's <laughs> must be, you know. Unfortunately, he's never got a 9-11. But uh, that was the first uh, real um, uh, memory of, you know, I was probably in my early 20s when you know, he was talking about 9-11s. And uh, so really until I bought my first, you know, decided to get my first, first Porsche, I, that, I didn't really – so you could say lust after a 911, you could say, until I really got into, into cars later in life. So you said you, you, know, you, you like the muscle cars, you know, the Australian muscle cars and whatever. So what was the first, when you started, you know, seriously, you know, making some money and thinking, okay, I'm going to get a car that I really like. What was the first sort of memorable car that you, that you purchased that, that you still think uh, about today? The- well, the, the, you, you know what this car is, it's, uh, and the Australian viewers were. It was a 1988 uh, uh, Walkinshaw Commodore, uh, a replica, uh, homologation special they built for Bathurst, the one with the big bird bath whale tail um, spoiler on the back. Yep. And uh, I, I bought that for uh, $27,500, which you know, back then was a lot of money when you could you know, buy a house for 70000 or something like that. And um, I had that for a couple of years and unfortunately got married, needed the money to buy a house and had to sell it. But that was a great car I had for um, probably about two years. And uh, nowadays they sell for anything up to $200,000. Wow. Was that a new car when you bought it or was it used? Um, it was only one year old. Wow. One year old. And it was a beautiful sounding engine. Used to love driving it, a manual, manual uh, transmission. As I say, nowadays they're very sought after by, you know, say, the baby boomer type uh, people that were couldn't afford them in the uh, when they were around. And nowadays, but to say nowadays, up to over two hundred thousand dollars for one of those cars, and uh, yeah, one of those cars you would have kept if you could. Did yeah, exactly. Did one of those come up for sale recently? I thought I saw one uh, of those somewhere on um, last I think year. You'll probably, probably would have been on somewhere like Dutton's or um, yeah. Um, uh, the classic throttle shop or something like that. Um, yes, there's been one or one or two. I think. Sorry yeah, for interrupting. Prob- I think Classic Throttle yeah. had one. Yeah, it, it probably it probably was. And uh, as I say, they're they're not an overly powerful car. They're probably uh, quick calculation. They're probably only 250 horsepower, 270 horsepower engine back you know, out of a V8 back in those days, but. Just the sound of the induction noise on that car was uh, really nice, and uh, people stroke them nowadays, and you know, which unfortunately ruins the originality, you could say, of the car. But uh, oh, there's lots of replicas as well. But uh, it was a lovely car. Yeah, and, and international listeners have to sort of realise. I guess it's like you know, I guess special edition Mustangs or special edition Camaros, or you know, I don't know what it is in in, in Europe, but it's like Holden had that following, didn't it? Had that huge following because of. Uh, Mount Panorama because of the race um, and mm. you know it was always that Ford sort of Holden rivalry here when I was growing up it was always like whether who do you like it was like the football team sort of thing do you like Ford do you like Holden um, I mean I had friends I had friends that had old you know going back had old uh, GTI XU1s which are worth a fortune now as well the Tirana so yeah. you know there's lots of great old cars out there that's for sure okay so you got the first memorable car it's, it's an Australian car it's a, it's a Commodore it's a very special one what is another one that comes along before you start getting into the Porsche thing? Probably the next one would have been the E39 M5 I, uh, BMW I had. Um, it was a 
when I got the got the car, uh, I bought it from a dealer in Queensland, and I thought I thought it was all like you know all good, and I just took it to an independent. The first you now like become become money pit some cars, but I wouldn't begrudge the car that. But my mechanic straight away said, "Oh look, the uh, double the, the Vanos, the dual Vanos." is not working properly. He took the car for a drive straight away. So straight away, you know, it's like you buy an older car and had to probably dump six or seven thousand dollars straight into the car to get right. it because it was a it was a huge job. It's like a twelve hour return trip, the mechanic could say six hours in and six hours out of wow. taking the car apart. And and actually he had to do it a couple of times but he didn't charge me because a couple of, he, did, he went in, didn't didn't fix the problem properly. And he said he came in on his weekend and did it again just to make sure the car was perfect. But uh, I put a lot of money into that car, and it was a case of I'm a sort of person. Uh, if we're doing something major to the car, I'd always say to Rob, uh, "Well, Rob, why we're in there? What else should we do? <laughs> you know, like for preventive maintenance? Because sometimes in cars, it costs a lot of money to get into a certain spot into a car. Yes, and he'd say, "Well, we should replace this, or we should replace that." And I always did it. So I think I paid oh, forty-two thousand dollars for the car, and I would have put. Twenty to twenty-five thousand dollars easy into the car over the four years I owned it. And when I sold it, um, what did I buy? I went. I had an eight forty. Uh, I had an, also had an eight forty uh, CI at the time. Like oh, okay. The, um, it was an eight forty. Beautiful, another beautiful car. And yeah, I had, lovely shape. And I was buying an M two, so I had to figure out which car I was going to sell. And I decided to sell the M five mainly because I had nowhere to garage it, and um, it was the car was in immaculate condition. I didn't want to. It deteriorating on the driveway, you could say. So the M5, David, is is it an expensive car to own? Like, was it is it an expensive car for repairs? Because I have heard things on other podcasts, and I, I'm guessing it was Matt Farah talking about it, or someone was talking about it, that the M5 is, you know, even back in the day when they were new. And how many years ago did you buy the M5? 2012, something like that. 2012. So, did yeah. I know you just said you had to get all the, that work done? Was it reliable after you had that done? Was it still? Was it? Was oh, it look. The car, the car was very reliable. Like I had no qualms of you know, jumping in the car. I'd have no. I drove to Adelaide and back once in it, so I had no qualms about it. But cost of cost of parts can be prohibitive. Like um, the ABS unit gave up, and that was a two, uh, two nearly two and a half thousand dollar US part. Wow. Even though, I, like, it was even more expensive in Australia, so I bought it from the US. And uh, but besides the ABS, maybe a fuel pump. A lot of the stuff I, I did on the car was just routine maintenance, like rebuild the suspension, and there was chalk and cheese. The difference between the car, because by then the shock absorbers and all the suspension on the car was like 15 years old, right. and the difference of renewing the suspension, so those sort of things. There was only one or two major um, uh, breakdown repairs, you could say, but other than that, it was just routine maintenance stuff that you you did, you know. But uh, I, I would, I'd say, whoever bought my car. This yeah. car I had is they'd, be, they'd have a very good drive. <laughs> okay, let's get into that. So you said you sold it for around forty-two grand, right? You sold it forty-two thousand yeah. dollars a few years back. Um, iconic car now. Everyone wants the they want that M5, right? Or they want the M3 of of a similar era. They want that that sort of BMW. That's what people are chasing after, and the prices are showing that. So you just mentioned to me that this car had recently been resold, right? It's been resold on yes. was it collecting cars. Yeah, it was on collecting cars. Uh, you know, people in America and in the UK and that will know that website. Chris Harris you know, promotes a, a lot. You know, he's involved somehow. But uh, yes, yes, it, it came up on collecting cars, and I was watching the car because once again, 
it's a car I would if I had a three three or four car garage I wouldn't have sold that car but it sold for sixty three thousand dollars and whoever bought it as I know just the history of the car and the amount of money I put into the car whoever bought it got a really good deal no rust in that car it was you know an Australian delivered car uh, occasionally you'll find ones which people have bought it from if you bought you you, know, you wouldn't touch one that comes from the UK unless it's been housed over winter of course but uh, yeah. it was it was yeah that's a car. Uh, I still think there's a 400 horsepower, uh, six-speed manual, very great car to drive. Sounds amazing too. The engine was, you know, for its day, was incredible. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a beautiful car. It surprises me that price, though. I thought it would have sold for more than that. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I don't know the market. I thought it, I thought that sounded pretty reasonable. I, well, I think I think Michael was. I think there's one sold on Click Cars. Uh, there's a couple on it. Yeah, you know, car sales at the moment where they're asking. Uh, mid to uh, mid seventies to eighty thousand dollars. Of course, yes. you know, I don't know how long they'll sit on there for, but um, whoever bought this car, because there's also there's the there's the um, what's his name, uh, the dealer. Um, oh, there's a you know margin on collecting cars. I forget how much it is. It's a five percent or something like that. You have to pay extra. Yeah, up to ten thousand dollars. I think on collecting cars, you you, know, you pay an extra bit. So the car might have you know cost the fellow sixty five thousand dollars once he mm. paid collecting cars. Their car, you know. but so he's got a great a, car. a very good price and a low mileage. I think it only had one hundred forty two thousand kilometers on. And I sold it when I sold it. The people who have owned it since I've owned it. It's been three owners. They've only put five thousand k's in the car <laughs> really? in probably four years. Wow. Yeah, not very, wow. very. Like, That's like why you wanted to buy it back. That's why you wanted oh, to buy well, it back. Isn't it bad, though, <laughs> this situation that we have, this garaging situation, you know, like it, it really does restrict us, doesn't it? You know what I mean? The fact that you don't have the space to store cars unless you pay to store them, um, which can be like easy depending on where you live in the world or also a hassle as well. Yeah. It's a tricky I was, one. Uh, look, I, was, oh, I had a friend, uh, a friend of mine, he's got uh, a 12-car garage, a warehouse up in Hornsby in Sydney and uh, – Steve's got a – he's an Englishman and, you know, he came to this country with nothing and, you know, sold his company for a lot, a lot of money. And right. now he collects um, – mate, he's got a DB, DB5s, E-types, um, Jensen FF, uh, Jensen Interceptors, and he had enough room in his garage. He said, look, when he heard I was selling it, he said, look, don't sell it. Just put it in my garage in Sydney. And my, <laughs> wife, and my wife said, no, you're not putting a car in Sydney in a garage which will never drive. And probably she was right. All right. So you sold the M5. You mentioned something about an M2. Is that what funded the M2? Yes, yes. I, I bought I bought an M2. That was a you know, the first the first one the first one the first uh, M2 the original one and uh, that was a lovely car and I used to take that to uh, uh, just modded it lightly modded you know uh, chip the engine and uh, uh, what uh, put a really nice exhaust on it and it was a very loud car. And uh, I used to take it to the track at Eastern Creek and uh, enjoy, okay. enjoyed the car. It was a, I sold the car probably. I wish I'd kept it. One thing about COVID, the price of cars has gone you know, silly. Um, I sold that car for half the cost I bought it. Like, you know, half, and I held the car for like two and a half years and it cost, I probably you know, half, the value, half the value of the car disappeared in that time. It wasn't a great time to sell cars. Yeah. I reckon. I reckon if I kept it for another year with COVID, I probably would have twenty thousand dollars more. It's a bit like the one M, you know, the one M when Steve mm. sold his, and the one M's were sitting, and I don't know what Steve sold his for, but the one M's were sitting on car sales at around sixty, and then all of a sudden now they're back up to eighty odd. Um, oh, yeah, so they're the same I've thing. Got a couple, but, yeah. 
Yeah, but the M2, I mean, the M2, I think you sent me a picture of it, and, you know, because I was talking about yeah. a cuff and a Tasha, and I, you know, I still like the M2. I look at them, and I look at them basically because of that pricing as well, because I know that, you know, for the international listeners, they were about, I don't know, there must have been 120 or something new, right? At least 120. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's some, I mean, higher mileage ones, but some of them on car sales, they're like 69, 65, um, you know, depending yeah. on the mileage. That's roughly, dep- yeah. That's what I sold mine for, 65, and it only had mm, 20,000 Ks on it. See, it seems so, so cheap because it's such a great little, it's a great car. My friend actually has one. My friend uh, who's a doctor in Sydney, he actually has one. He sold his Merc 500 for one of those, um, and he loves it. He loves it. And oh, it's just it's, easy to get around, you know, backwards and forwards to the practice and everything like that. It's just an easy easy car to park, easy car to drive, fun to drive. Sounds amazing. It really has a really mm. good burble to it, even in the stock form. What is oh, the thing is, with, yeah. what is the thing though, David, with BMWs before we get into the Porsches? The thing with BMWs, a lot of people seem to do that, don't they? You just do the little chipping on you, you chip the BM and then you do the exhaust and, and it really does transform the car. Is that what's yeah, is oh, that an I, appeal of BMWs? Uh, I think they're especially the more modern ones are easy to do. Like it went from, um, I think standard was three hundred seventy horsepower, and once we did these, you know, not overly expensive modification, it was like four hundred and fifty horsepower then. So, a lot of a lot of power for a very little car, but it was a truck very tractable. It wasn't uh, didn't ruin the uh, driving dynamics of the car or anything like that. And uh, it was a yeah, it was a very nice car to drive, and uh, just the dynamics of driving a well sorted. Uh, BMW, unfortunately, I think they've lost their way with that new grill. I just can't handle those new grills on the M3 and and, and their SUVs. And oh, See, I, think, I, I couldn't buy I couldn't buy one. I wouldn't buy I couldn't buy a BMW now with that grill. I used to go past one uh, when I was in London. Every time I'd go for the morning walk um, near Greenwich, and I used to go past one. There was a green one, the three series competition with the green uh, grill. It kind of started to grow on me after a while, but then when you see it in a dark color, you, if you see it in a dark color and it's got the number plate, it doesn't look as bad. But then I saw one in Sydney the other day. Uh, I think it was an M, M4 or whatever. I saw one just yesterday, actually, um, and I it didn't look good. It didn't actually look good. So I don't know. It must be the, the surroundings that make it look better because it looked okay in the UK, but it doesn't look good here, that's for sure. No, no. So the, after the M2 and the, the F80, F82 uh, – M3s have lost their way. <laughs> yeah. M2 competition's pretty cool though, isn't it? They're not bad. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a friend who's got an M2 competition. He's just bought a, um, a GT4. He's only had that for about a month. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah, but he's keeping he's keeping both, he told me, so he can uh, oh, okay. intercha- interchange. He's a bit of a track rat nowadays. And, uh, so he's going to have two cars to go to the track in. <laughs> so the track day thing, you know, is that, you know, you did it in the BMW. Is that the first time you've been on track or you did it with other cars as well? No, the first time I did it was with uh, the BMW, and uh, yeah, like I hear you and Steve talk about oh, going to the track, and oh, it's not, it's you know, it's especially uh, I've done it with a, a group called uh, the Burroughs Days in uh, Sydney. It's very professionally run, right? Um, guys, you know, there's lots of Ferraris and Lamborghinis, uh, all different types of Porsches, but high end BMWs, Maseratis, all those sort of cars, and everybody there is very. Um, mindful of everyone everyone's car you know yeah. like there is rules for overtaking it's not a race it's a to go and uh you know use your car to its potential but i always say that i drive at eight tenths not ten tenths because you yeah. want to bring your car home at the end of the day and it's uh and it's not that scary once you get there and learn you can push the car fairly hard 
but you can still drive within your limits. But have a lot more fun than you can driving on the road. Yeah, no, it sounds like a good thing to do. I still want to do it, that's for sure. Um, all right, so we've had we've had a very special Holden Commodore. We've had a we've had an E thirty nine M five, another really special driver's car. The M two as well, you know, sought after um, driver's car. What happens next? Is that when we start to see the nine uh, eleven appear? Yes, well, I, I had my well, actually I had my name down for a um, a spider, you know, a, a oh. seven one eight spider. Yep, but I like those. It, it just it was just, oh, it was just rolling on and rolling on and get, you know getting a bit impatient and then I read you know, I got a magazine you know, reading Porsche magazines and up comes the 911 T and I thought yep. oh, why don't I buy one of those instead you know, you know so I <laughs> that was just a spur of the moment got in the got in the M2 drove to Sydney uh, went to Sydney uh, south uh, Port Sydney uh, yep. south the south one yeah and went in there and. The girls, they had a couple on the floor. You know, <laughs> David, but, but, when you but, could buy one, when you could, when you could go into a dealer and buy one, you mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. They had a couple. They yeah. Had a, they had a couple, but they were all PDK. And I spoke to the uh, one of the sales girl, one of the sales ladies came out. She, you know, I mentioned, look, I want a manual. Yeah. And and she said, and she said, look, can't help you. Uh, we're not Porsche Australia's not bringing any more cars. Okay. So I thought, oh well, I drove to Parramatta because that's where I had my name down for the. Um, the spider and spoke to the guy there and you know, he didn't have he once again he had a few PDKs, said, No, we I don't think we can get you a manual. Tried to tried to push me into a nine eleven nine nine one dot two GTS. Okay. Uh, push my bu- push my budget another six forty or fifty thousand. <laughs> a friend of a friend of mine, I he's got heaps of portraits. He said, Oh look, I'm sure we can get that for two hundred and ninety thousand dollars. And in the end I said, No, no, it's okay. I I'll I'll, I'll go to Willoughby. So I went yep. to uh, Willoughby and uh they were really nice, and I mentioned I wanted. Uh, and they, they had once again, they had a PDK on the floor. I said I wanted a manual, and they said, "Look." So we just we we did some negotiation, and we got to the got to the price, and eventually they said to me because it was backwards and forwards with a friend who's bought a lot of Porsches in me. You're going, "No, we can get it cheaper. We can get it cheaper." Right. And um, he so eventually the, the sales guy said, "Look, how much do you want to pay?" <laughs> Which is funny. That's a great and question. And I said, I gave him a figure. And it was ten percent less than the. Uh, in those days, you could get a discount. It was ten percent less than the listed price of the car. Right. And they, he went away to his sales manager, and they said, "Yes, we'll really? accept that deal." He said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." Ten percent. I got off the listed price, and um, but the only proviso was he said, "We'll put it through to Porsche Australia, and we don't know if we can get you an allocation." And two okay. months later, they they said, came back to me and said, "Yes, we'll get you. We've got you an allocation. It's going to be the last." Um, 911T manual coming into the country. So, okay, and I certainly I expect I expect the car myself. You know, how I wanted the car. All right, let's get into that. Let's let's start on that straight away. So tell the listeners how you how you went about um, optioning, how you went about specking this car. Um, you know, and, and a special car as well, which was a little bit underrated when it first came out. A little bit, you know what I mean? Oh, it, and now it, it, they're it, very, it, very sought after. So, how did you how did you go about that, David? What were the things that you thought were definitely a necessity? Um, well, we, first of all, I wanted a manual car. I love driving manual cars, yes. and I live in the country, so you know that day to day grind of a manual in a big city is not not a problem for me. Yep. So, I've got the manual. Uh, wanted the sports exhaust. Uh, got rear wheel steer. Um, in the end, we got four ways, but that was a bit of a um, uh, compromise for my wife because my wife wasn't a huge fan of the uh, carbon buckets. So we right. went went for the four ways with the uh, 
the tea interior, nice the yellow pinstripes and uh, on the seats and all yep. the uh, deviated stitching and that sort of stuff. So it was a, and a GT Silver in GT Silver. I know you like GT Silver. I do. <laughs> and I like that combination, actually. I like that combination with the, the Carrera T. And I think I might have said to you on DM or something, there was the one that came up somewhere, was it Order House or some, one came up in manual. I don't think it had the yellow. It might have had the grey inside, the silver. Yeah. But the GT Silver with that yellow interior, uh, I do like it with the lightweight buckets, though. If it's got the lightweight buckets, it would be very, very um, yeah. very cool. But I don't mind those seats. I don't mind the Carrera T seats. Yeah. So what else? I, I what, don't what, know how many. Did you get sunroof, though? Yeah, I forget okay. if you said yes or no to the sunroof. Nah. Nah, I didn't, oh, want, I didn't want a sunroof because I've had sunroof in other cars. I've never opened. So, not that I, I bought cars with the sunroof, but I, I would never option the car with a sunroof. But uh, no, it was uh, there was just uh, painted yellow painted dials, and uh, I can't think it was many other options. There was no other options really we put on the car. It was pretty you know, basic, and like it was the I would have loved loved the leather interior, but I was keep trying to keep the car to a price point at that yes. stage. And um, it was a great car. It is a great car to drive. The three liter twin turbo, uh, you know, smaller engine, but um, on I, I'd say on driving that car versus my new car on the street, uh, it's just as much fun, you could say, because the GT3 is a lot of car for the street. But this other car, you could rev, really you know, go through the rev range with this manual in the three-load, but it was a lovely car. I, I want to get into that comparison shortly. I want to get into that comparison because it is the fact that you've got these, you know, which are becoming – they are both two iconic cars for different reasons, right? There, there are there are there are cars that are going to be sought after in the future: the Carrera T and the GT3. You know what I mean? The Touring. So, how was it though? You you said you had so you went out of the M2 and you went into the 911. How was that as a yeah. as a driving experience? How was that the first thing you thought of when you were driving the 911 compared to the M2? I think it's it's chalk and cheese, you could say. Whereas the M2 is a Passenger car made, tried to made into a sportier car. Yes. Um, the Porsche is, you know, designed straight as a sports car, you could say. And uh, the, difference, the difference in driving the cars, um, it, the, the Porsche is just another another level up driving over a, an M2 BMW. It's just another level of uh, uh, engineering, uh, the, the feel of driving the car. It's just, yeah, I... I it was a, a big, a big. It's a big move up in price point. Of course, it's uh, double the price of an double the price of an M two. Yeah. So yeah. It, you know, you expect it to, to be that you know move up, move up the ladder. You can say, but uh, yes, it's a. It was a lovely car, um, and I'd recommend anyone who. How was the sound? Sorry, David. How was the sound? Did you did you opt to have the tinted windows, or you you opted not to have the privacy glass when you had the lightweight glass that was on the side windows in the back? I, yeah, I had the light. I had the lightweight glass, and it's not as it's nowhere near as noisy as a GT3 inside. Right, um, but it is fairly. You can still hear the rocks in the uh, rear wheel arches and that sort of stuff because there's less sound deadening in the car. Yes, um, but uh, the, the, for a turbo engine, it's, it's not. It's, it sounds sounds um, fairly fairly. It's engaging, you could say, engaging to drive. Uh, and I'd never felt uh, you could say let down by for the sports exhaust is a lovely. It ha- Depends if you like that uh, overrun burble you get when you put it into um, the sport mode. You could say some people don't like the, the little crackles and pops, and that's what yeah. the exhaust gives you in in sports mode. And I always drove it in sports mode just for that that sound and the and it had uh, it's like it's got um, the um, 
rev matching. Uh, like yes. Not everybody. Not everybody. I never. I don't class myself as a great driver <laughs> or anything like that. And I don't pretend to say I'm the best driver in the world. I'm not the worst. But the healing toe. Well, you know, some people are good at it and done it, practiced it. I've never done it. So you get that fun rev changing of the downshifts and things like that, which is just yeah, a, pretty fun, cool. a little. You know, it, it, it makes you want to drive the car enthusiastically. You could say. Did you um? Did you have the rear seats or no rear seats? We, I didn't want the rear seats, but and my wife said we should get the rear seats. But and the sales guy said, "Oh, you've got to get the rear rear seats. It'll be better for resale." Oh, really? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's what they said. They did See, say I, that. Yeah, like, I thought it'd be worse. I thought resale would be better if you didn't have the rear seats. You know what I mean? Like well, how many? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, a lot of people, a lot of people would like a GT3 Touring. But you always, there's always, especially if you read the uh, things on Ren, Ren list and things like that, and they they say, oh, I wish they had, wish they'd make the GT3 with rear seats. Right. And a lot of people who who buy the T still want to be able to take the wife and the kids in the car, and oh, you okay. could say, and lot, a lot of people have that. Not everybody. Some people have got enough money that they could say, oh, well, I don't need those rear seats. I've got my other Porsche, or I've got my other car. We the family we can all go out in. So. You'll probably find very unless they got the lightweight buckets. I'd say any car without the light, any car with that has the four ways or uh, eighteen ways will have the rear seats. I'd say predominantly. Right. Uh, I right. don't know how many. I, I don't know how many they brought in. People say as few as thirty nine eleven twos were brought into the country. Really? Because at the time, yes, at the time, people it was an end of run production model. You could say, and and people didn't really understand the car you know like real enthusiasts now understand the car but uh but there won't be many with there wouldn't be many with the buck with the bucket seats in australia yeah and i think i think most of our listeners probably understand the the, the misunderstanding with this car you know people thought it was a base carrera you know what i mean i mean there's the history of the carrera t right 911 t um, but most people thought it was like a base career, but it wasn't just a base career, was it? I mean, the, the, the transmission in this, the, 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 the manual transmission is a really great transmission, right? I mean, the well, little it's bit a, of... It's a, yeah, sorry, go yeah. ahead. It's a, it's a seven-speed, so it's not the six-speed you get in the GT cars. And I, some people don't like it, think, because the ratios are fairly close in the box, so you can... It's not as uh, precise you could, as driving the GT3. You can sometimes miss a gear if you're not... Um, Really concentrating, you could say, of, of the shift pattern. But yeah, like, but as you say, the not the, the T was good value for the money of all those extras that came standard with the car. That you, if you bought a Carrera, you, by the time you um, got uh, got all the options that uh, you you got virtually standard on the T for probably half the price. You know, yes, that, that was the good thing about it. And you look at resale prices now, and this is you know this is in Australia, of course. If you look at car sales now, the T price has gone up. I mean, they're selling. There's some selling for two forty nine, two fifty, right? Yeah, we'll, um, we'll get, to, some we'll get them, to that later. Yeah, and some of them are higher than the the Carrera S of the same model year. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Carrera S yeah. is less, and the Carrera T is worth more because the Carrera T is still, like you said, it's still limited run. There's not no one really knows how many have been delivered. There'll be not that many in manual. But I just want to, you know, I find the Carrera T interesting, and I think when we get into your next car, then the reason why you sold it to buy the GT3. But it's it's almost like when I remember watching um, Cam Ingram on um, YouTube, I think, who has, you know, the Ingram collection. His father has the Ingram collection. Um, and he has a Touring. He has a Touring. But he's, obviously, his family, they also have the 911R. 
You know what I mean? And he, he was mm. asked if you could tell the difference between the 911R and the GT3 Touring. And he said, yes, you can tell the difference. The 911R is still a little bit better, but it doesn't take away from the GT3 Touring at all. And I think that comparison is almost a little bit like the Carrera T, right? That the Carrera T, it's not as good as the GT3 Touring, but it's got traits that are that do make it really special. Would you agree with that? Oh, oh yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a. I wouldn't say it's a poor man's GT3. Some people can't push to that extra level, but it's a. As I say, it's a very engaging car to drive. It's la- last of the narrow body nine um, elevens. All nine eleven now are all wide body. Yeah. And it was just it was just a fun car. It was just a fun car to drive. You know, it could do fun at the track um, on back roads. It was a really great car to drive on back roads. Um, the talk of the car, the, it's just fun, a fun, fun car to drive. And uh, I think um, yeah, people are starting to realise. I know Auto House actually had three in uh, a couple of months ago. <laughs> and they sold so quickly. Three. And they had the yeah, silver was, GT Silver manual one. I think it just touched it for like an hour and it was gone. It was yeah. just literally gone. Oh, and then the well, one at Classic Throttle recently was just gone, you know? They've, they've sold a couple. As, uh, as Steve always says, Steve always says, you've got to be prepared to have the cash in your hand to buy to you know to buy the car you want. Well, I yes. when I bought we'll go to the GT3. I, I left my name with a few uh, independent dealers because they're hard you know hard to get. And um, out of the blue, I got a phone call from uh, Matt at Porsche Den, lovely fellow in Melbourne, and he said, "Look, I've got a black GT3, low mileage, uh, had all had full leather interior, all these things I wanted." Okay. And he said, "Are you interested?" And I said, oh, of course I'm interested. The hard part was uh, having the ready funds to buy that car. Yes. Uh, so I had certain amount of access to certain amount of funds out of investments. But, you know, you take money out of investments that you miss, you could miss a, a movement or something like that, and it costs, it costs you money. And I had – so I got – this is the – this is a, when we're talking about the values of the 911T, oh. I had – I took his offer for my car. Okay. I want to go back a little bit, actually, because you sent me yeah. a DM, and I want to tell the listeners. You sent me a DM, and you sent me what I think is, and not taking anything away from your your choice of your your GT3, you sent me that green one, the Irish oh, green. the green one. Oh. Which was the, as you said, the unicorn, right? This is the one. Yes. You know what I mean? And it was, yes. and it literally, you sent it to me, and I think when I looked at it, and then I went back to look at it again, and it was gone, and it was... Just tell the listeners. It was in. Was it? What was it? Green. It was. Uh, uh, it was. It was Irish green. Irish green. It was yeah. At, uh, yeah. It was at the uh, uh, classic throttle shop in Sydney. Now I saw that. So it was, and it had carbon ceramics, full leather mm, interior, beautiful. Every option you could ask for, and it was on. It, this car is probably undersold in value. It only sold like six months ago, for, and it ended up selling for the list price of three hundred and ninety. Thousand dollars, three ninety four, which is quite cheap now when you think about well, it. Well, three ninety, especially for all the options, and life gets in the way. You could say, Michael, I um, I had uh, some minor surgery booked. That mm. I saw it. I saw it. Say, I saw it on the Tuesday night. I had some minor surgery booked on the Wednesday, and I said to myself, I I did send an email, and they got back to me like the fellow. Even in the evening, he got back and said, Yeah, yeah, we got the car, blah blah blah. And next morning, I had to go for minor surgery, and I went, Will I ring them on the way? I hadn't broached the subject of this car with my wife at this stage, so I thought we're in the car driving to the hospital for the minor surgery. And I went, well, I said to my wife, I'm going to buy this. Car. I want to buy this car and get on the phone right now and ring the dealer. 
or will I wait till I come out of surgery? And I thought, I'll wait till I come out of surgery. It doesn't matter. <laughs> the car will be there. It's yeah. It's, it's such a, such an expensive car. Some yeah. people won't want it. People aren't going to buy it that, like that. By the time I, I went into surgery, you know, and time I came out in the middle of the afternoon, I rang the dealer and said, hello, I'm ringing about the, uh, the, you know, the GT3 Touring. He says, oh, it's already sold. And he said he could have sold the car 10 times that day and the, per, the father and son, like a middle-aged uh, bloke and his you know, early 20 son, came in, looked at the car, said, where do we sign? We're not, we're not going to you know, barter or we're just going to pay full price. And they signed up the car and the car was sold within three or four hours of the dealer opening that day. And I think, you know, exactly. And I think, you know, it's not just, it wasn't just because it was a GT3 Touring. I think it was the colour. It was the colour, yes, wasn't it? And because oh. it harks back to that, you know, the, the, the you know, that special 911 they built. Um, what was it? 10 millionth or one million? What was it? That one, the uh, green uh, one? The, uh, the one millionth. One yeah, millionth, the one millionth, you know, that one. And then that's the green. And I think the, the colour just sold it. And when you sent it to me, it was like, wow, that is, I've never seen, you know, that's that must be oh. one of, that must be one of one in Australia. Must be one of one. There couldn't oh, yeah. be any more of yeah. that. So yeah. let's just go back to this decision, though, because you've got a Carrera T. You know, you spec'd it out from new. You got it from Porsche Willoughby. You got an allocation. You got this car. It's a great car. You're really enjoying it. It's, it's exactly how you want it. What was that thing that you thought in your – what was the deciding thing that you said, okay, I'm, I don't want the Carrera T anymore. I want a GT3. Okay. What was it? I wanted a GT3 for a couple of years, even before I bought the, the original, the T. But um, – okay. Money, money wise, at that stage, yeah, you, know, you take baby steps. You could say, and I've got a motto in life now: is uh, you're long time dead, and you can't take it with you. You know, there's I've had a few friends uh, pass away recently, my age of uh, you know, certain diseases and whatever. And I'm thinking, like, you know, you, you, you're only here once, and you've got to grasp hold of what you want to do if you can afford to. Yes. And uh, so I um, decided I wanted to get a, a GT3, and I, you know, as I say, the the green one was the first one I um, tried to buy, but you know that that deal fell through. So I left my name with uh, a few dealers, uh, independents, you could say, and uh, I was offered original. Then I was offered a I was, I was offered a blue uh, GT3 Touring, but uh, I didn't have leather interior. And I wanted the full leather interior. If I was moving up, I thought we want we want the whole nine yards. So that's when we were offered the black. Sorry, David, before you saw the black one, though, was that silver one going around at that time? The one that's been for sale on and off for ages? Uh, the one that had so, two the one that had two images on one stage on car sales and that's all he posted and there was nothing it, else. It, it's been it's about cars been for sale about four <laughs> or five times. I don't know. I don't know this guy, I don't know what he what, what his planet he's on, but it was actually for sale for under three hundred and fifty thousand about twelve months ago. Yes, and, I remember. And you saw it. You saw it. It's on car yeah. sales now for four hundred and forty-seven. Yeah. And there's another one in WA for four hundred and fifty. And I, I say this to my wife to validate my purchase. I say the spec of my car is better than the spec of those two cars. So she's yes. she's happy. She thinks we're we're in front by about fifty thousand oh, dollars. That's good. That's good. And you got a great and you got a great spec as well. So let's get into that. So you yes. got the feelers out. You got the feelers out with the specialists in in uh, Australia. Like you said, Porsche Dan is, is really well known now. You know, I don't know how long he's been mm. around, but he's really well known and sells a lot of great cars. Yeah. He gets a lot of great cars in. How was that process? What happened? You, you, you made a decision pretty quickly? Yeah, well, I made the decision pretty quickly. And as I said before, I didn't have the ready funds available to pay for the car outright. So he made me an offer on my car. And 
you, 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 know, you want to strike by the iron tide. I suppose maybe should have offered my car to places like Auto House and, the, and a few of the Porsche dealers. I'm sure I probably diddled myself out of a bit of money there because the car, <laughs> yeah, a little bit of money. Uh, I'll tell you off here how much I sold it for. It doesn't matter um, though because you've made money now on the GT3. Oh, I made so money. It, no, it, all, it all evens out in the end, right? And I say, he, he offered to take my car. My car went to Melbourne, and one day later, he sold it and came back to Sydney. Really? <laughs> so it did a 2,000-kilometre round trip to Sydney and back, to wow. Melbourne and back. He sold, it, he, sold it, he sold the car in one day. So, um, But I could have probably – I might have been like hindsight. I might have been able to say, look, give me a week to list my car on a car sales, see what happens, that sort of thing. But, yeah. you know, these cars don't come up that often, and uh, I think there's only been um, – there's been two other um, GT3 Tourings come up, besides the two are listed now, and both of them are sold within a day or so. A silver one at Porsche Centre Willoughby sold um, only about a month ago, and I spoke to the salesman. I was at a track day, the Porsche yep. Centre Willoughby had on. I said, oh, that GT3 Touring. He said, yes, I sold that car, and he told me how much it sold for, and I, I just went, gee. And then once again, the spec of that car was not as good as the spec of my car. It didn't have a full leather interior, and Right. And uh, so it's amazing just in the last six months, all four, uh, three cars that have sold plus these other two cars are selling for tens of thousands of dollars more yes. than luckily I paid. So I, got, I feel good in that regard. All right. So I, re- I remember when you sent me the message. I, mean, I remember when you bought this and you bought it. It seemed pretty quickly, I remember. You like you made oh, the decision yeah. pretty quickly yeah. and you said you bought it already. You sent me the message and you yeah. said you bought it. Um, so... You got the funds together. You purchased the GT3 Touring. Let's let's tell the listeners exactly what the specs were because the GT3 Touring is really special. I mean, I love the seats. I really do love the seats yeah. in the Touring, those black seats. So tell the listeners exactly what uh, what it came with, David. Um, it, well, it, it came with the, the full uh, full leather, leather dash, leather door cards, 18, 18 ways, um, up, upgraded lights. Um what else is there? There's not a huge oh, sports chrono, of course, which some cars don't. Even I saw one of the GT3s hasn't got, hasn't got it. Not that I use it, but they always say people it's a sought after option or whatever. But that that um, yeah, that, that was about it. You could say the leather interior is probably one of the expensive uh, options. You could say, and there's one or two things options which you'd like. But of course, when you buy a car, sec, you know, the second owner, you could say you've got to take what whatever you know, two of yeah. whatever somebody had. Even the colour. I've had black cars before, and uh, is it metallic black or jet black? Jet black, yeah. Jet black, yeah. Jet black, black, yeah. And they're hard to maintain. I I would have liked the GT silver or a paint to sample colour, you could say. But um, yeah, now I'm quite happy with the car now. But uh, uh, so we got the car, and uh, COVID hit, and my car was going to went to Sydney to get paint protection film put on. Okay. And with COVID and delays, and then we realised, look, there's a lot of stone chips on this car because the previous owner didn't put, and because of the big wide guards, the rear arches had been peppered, the bumper bar had been peppered. Oh, really? Even with only 8,000, yeah, even with 8,000 Ks, it had a lot of stone chips on, on those areas. And I decided, so I got that reason. Sorry, David, when did you notice the stone chips? Did you know about that before you purchased it? Or you found no, out once I, you look, got it delivered? Well, see, it was in Melbourne. COVID was all going. So I couldn't really get down to look at the car and the photos you get. And the fellow said, yes, Matt said, yeah, it's in good condition. And I, look, I'm probably, it probably is for it, you know, like, but I'm a, I'm a perfectionist, you could say. I like my cars perfect, you could say. So 
Um, my mate who was going to put the paint protection film on said, look, if we put the film over the stone chips, you'll see the stone chips. They'll be very prominent, you could say, yes. under the film. So we, I decided, well, well, we'll spray those out. So I went to a Porsche body shop and uh, we got all those sprayed out. And then we put the paint protection film on. So the car is immaculate now, It's uh, you could say. So it's a, it, one of those things. Well, let me go back to that process then. <clears throat> and, you know, when you buy it from Porsche Den, trusted dealer, Porsche specialist, mm. did you – what other checks did you do on the car? Do you just trust that dealer or did you do other checks? Well, you know, I'm see, getting under the well, PPI that, question here, but I know it's a newer well, car, so not a lot of people do PPIs on newer cars. Nah, but how did right. you go about that? Because, oh, you know – I saw the um, the service history and, um, and the car was only – just over two years old. So it still had another year of its full warranty. And as soon as I bought the car, I, Porsche Australia had a 70th anniversary uh, uh, deal on, you could say, buy three years of extended warranty, get four. Okay. And you all know the last thing you want is a motor in a GT3 to implode out of warranty. Yeah. It's a, that's a big lump to, a big lump to um, swallow. So for $4,000, for $1,000 a year for a big extended factory warranty, I thought, well, so I was confident, you know, with a factory warranty on the car that, you know, I, you know, I, I didn't need to get it uh, a PPI done on the car. If a car was out of warranty, definitely I'd get a PPI done, but not always that. Sometimes you can find that doesn't, especially on older cars, some of these, I mean, I had an old, older BMWs and things like that. You can get a PPI done, but as we all know, you can drive the car down the road and uh, something some, happens. As we've had on a few of, a few of the um, yeah. owners' stories of that, I've got the car, took it down the road, and two days later, you've got a big bill. Well, with yeah. a, with, a, with a car under warranty, I don't think that was a problem. Yeah, quite a few people have had that that happen, haven't they? In owner stories, where the, yeah. the PPI, yeah. and then you're driving home, basically, you know. Um, yeah driving home and something happens to it. So PPI is no guarantee. I guess really mm. the guarantee, having the Porsche warranty, um, and other people have said this on owner stories too, that that's enough for them. As long as it has the Porsche warranty, they're not ran, it's, mm. and it's from a dealer or either a Porsche dealer or a respectable you know, um, specialist, they're not that fussed with doing a, a, a PPI no. or any type of inspection because you've got the Porsche warranty, right? So you feel you feel like you've got something there. Yeah, like and to say, but you're like... Um if I didn't extend a warranty, the first thing you do, the last thing you do is you go to a dealer just before the warranty's up and get them to check the car or even if you take it to an independent because they they're a bit more, you know, yes. go to auto house and say, look at the car. Can you find anything wrong? Then go back to the dealer and say, here's a list of things. The car's under warranty. I want these fixed. But uh, I've extended it for four years just so for peace of peace of mind. So oh, that's it's, good. You know, it's out to 2026 full, you know, factory warranty, you could say. Yep. All right. So COVID hit. You know, you've you've bought the car, you've you've cashed in your investments, you bought your GT3 Touring, you've got you know the pinnacle of the range. Um, it takes ages to get it because it's sitting in mm. getting the PPF done. That's got to be you know the paint has to be corrected of, or sprayed and, cu- and cured and cured, and cured yeah, which takes time. So all this stuff before you can put PPF on it as well, which I know four weeks right or mm. eight weeks. Some people yeah. say. So when do you actually get the car? And let's let's go to that. I love that that first impressions because you've had the 911 Carrera T. It's got the seven speed yep. manual in the Carrera T, like you said. This has got the GT3. This is the six speed. Was it night and day the experience? Oh, it was. Yeah, like it was nearly six months from after I bought the car to I finally <laughs> got the car in the garage. Really? People 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 were saying, oh, it, it just just seemed to rock because COVID and. Businesses hit where his business was is inside the uh, area of COVID where people weren't allowed to go to work and he lived outside that area. 
So he, his business were, you know, was barely affected. But finally, I got the car, and yeah, it was just when he backed it out, you know, put, brought the car out of the uh, out of his uh, business premises. It was just like, oh, amazing! You know, he got in the car and driving it home, the, the sound of the car, and oh, inc- incredible! And those first the first time you took it to now nine thousand, uh, <laughs> you know, and the, the punch back in the the punch back in the seat of the yeah. you know, when it get you know because you know after three thousand or three or four thousand it kicks, then it kicks again after seven and seven seven and a half. Yeah, it's, it's just a, it's just a, uh, a, a vicious, you know, acceleration and uh, the noise of the car once you put it on song. Yeah, it looks great when you stand next to it. Did you stand behind the back of it and just look at that that GT3 yeah. Touring oh, badge yeah. on the back as well? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like oh, the, you know, I've got a Touring. The stance, and, <laughs> and the stance of the, the, stand, the stand, the stance of the car is just um, an amazing, and just the, the, the feel of driving it you know, when the. But I, you know, so anyway, yeah, we got that home. We, you know, did a, done a few modifications to the car. Um, uh, got some red seat belts just to give it a little bit of colour inside because it's all black. And we put a Shark's Works, Shark's Works exhaust on. Oh, that, did that's, you? Uh, oh, that's incredible. The yeah, X-Pipe? You know, the X-Pipe, sh- is it? Cross-Pipe at the back or whatever no, it is? No, no, it's just the, um, the you change the, the rear muffler. Okay. So it's still uh, the rear muffler comes out, so it's only got the two side mufflers, and uh, switchable, so you can still potter oh, right. around quite quietly. But if you open open the valves, it, uh, it really comes it really comes alive, you could say. So um, that was a that was a good uh, a did, good investment. Did you buy that from the sorry, David? Did you buy that from the states? Did you buy it from the US? I, yeah, I bought. I actually bought it on Renlist. Okay. Um, I find I find that there's a lot of good. Uh, Second-hand parts, like especially now, a lot of people in the US are changing out of their GT3, maybe for a 992 or whatever, and uh, it, it ended up being about half the price of buying a brand new one here. So that was a great saving. Sharks work. Sharkworks do some great things, don't they? I still, I really enjoyed yeah. that podcast when he did that. I think he was on Car Talk or whatever, or Sam Moore's podcast when he was on that. Um, the guy, the Alex from Sharkworks. Um, I don't know whether you listen to it. It's a really good episode. I mean, he does. He I did listen to that. Yes. Yeah, he does some great stuff. Their exhausts are really, really cool. Who else was talking about that on the WhatsApp group? Carrera Licious, wasn't he? Rich, I think Rich was talking yeah. about. He did that as well. Yeah, well they make. They make. Oh, they make one for nine nine seven as well. Of uh, yeah, they've got it for a few a few point different two, models. Uh, point two, not point one. I don't think. Um, Unless oh, they've changed. Oh, yes, in the nine nine seven, yes, you can get one for a GT three. Must be a point two there. Yeah, I've just seen one recently. Yeah, I was looking at yeah. them, and I remember at the time they were only the the because people were doing the Fister with the Sharkworks combination, but it was only for the point two, not for the point one. Yeah, um, and yeah. I remember that's why I just went with the Fister. Wow, so you've got a great exhaust. You've done that. You've got the red seat belts. They were done by Porsche, I guess. Uh, I know we went to Auto House. Auto House did all the work uh, on that. Uh, it was uh, down there. Uh, about a week before you dropped your car in, I went. My first time I'd been there, and really great professional uh, professional guys. And I had an, un, but I like I, we always talk about that un, the surprising thing you you, know, you get with the new car, you've got to pay for it straight away. Well, I got a nail in one of my tires uh, the, the night before I was going to going to drive to Auto House. I go there, and the riff, left rear is dead flat. Oh. So I get out, I get out my, my compressor and pump up the uh, pump it up, you know, right up and check it in the morning and realise it's losing about one PSI an hour. So I drove down to Auto House and uh, dropped the car off and 
told them, uh, look, uh, I've got a nail in the rear tire. And they go, oh, yeah, we'll, we'll fix that, not a problem. And you can, then you get half an hour later, you get that dreaded phone call, you know, which you had when they were talking about your um, your clutch, I think, they'd bring you or something. Well, they gave and, me the whole um, list of everything, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it, this is like half an hour after I left. They re- I get the phone call and it's like, oh, hello, David. Um, look, we can't fix that tyre. It, it's too close to the sidewall. Right. And both the tyres are 60% worn, so we recommend you change both rear tyres. Oh, yeah. fair enough. And then there's $1,600 for two new rear tyres, and you've only just got the car for about a couple of weeks. So Yeah, that's crazy. They're Cup 2s, oh, well, right? Cup 2s on the GT3 yeah, Touring? Yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah, very sticky. On the GT3. Yes, yeah, they, oh, they're great, great tyres and everything. And uh, and the only other thing I've got coming is the uh, dynamic, dynamic stability control unit for uh, 991.2. What is that? Explain uh, that one, David. How does that get that, fitted? That, that, well, uh, in the rear behind the behind the seat, see the piece of carpet you can pull up and right. it pulls out and you, pl- and you plug, take out the Porsche uh, factory one and you put this one in and it's been, they program the suspension, uh, shocks, rebounds and all that sort of uh, stuff. Yeah. And the only thing my wife picked it up straight away when we drove the GT3, she said, oh, it's a very stiff car. She could feel... You can feel on bad on bad road on good road surfaces not a problem. You get on some really uh, poor road surfaces, the car does bounce around a uh, bounce around a fair bit, and uh, on vibrate on. And uh, this uh, dynamic stability control they soften the uh, everyday uh, program. Uh, like right. You've got two programs for the um, suspension, and it softens the uh, the everyday drive one, makes it a little bit softer, a little bit more compliant, you could say. And just makes a little bit softer driving experience, you could say. On especially where I live, the roads are very poor. Uh, but if you get nice tarmac, like at a racetrack, you can run it in the full uh, sport mode, you could okay. say. And uh, but yeah, it wasn't. Uh, it's not. It's not cheap. But I wanted to try that and see if it just makes. Who makes that, David? Uh, well, it's a company's called DSC. I mean, you have spoken about oh, it once. DSC on one of the, uh, controller. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, dynamic stability control. Yeah, DSC. You spoke about it with uh, Steve once, and you were talking about the nine nine seven. You were talking about. You know, Is that what Steve has? Because Steve has some. I, I should know this, but I he don't. Might, I'll might, have to ask him. Have. I'll have to ask him this yeah. week. But I think he has something from yeah. there that he put yeah. in to his car as well, which made it yeah. better. Yeah. Just to the nine nine seven. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's a popular. It's a popular um, upgrade, and um, they have like a file. It's a GT three slash tour tour. Um, file and you can you can this thing's totally programmed if you want to muck around yourself you can muck around with it you know all sorts of things but they, they do a lot of uh, testing and everything and this is very popular but so i bought it mainly to see if i can get that everyday drive on poor surfaces just a little bit more compliant you could say okay um, my question though to you and this has happened with a lot of other people i've spoken on owner stories that they're hesitant to do things to their car especially if they have porsche warranty is this going to void the porsche warranty Look, if it was if you if you had a problem with the suspension, it, it's like a five minute changeover. You put you can put the um, it doesn't bring up any codes or anything like that in the car. Um, you can uh, just pull it out if you're worried. If you were worried, like my dealer is a is a new dealer in Newcastle. I went down there for something and talking about changing the exhaust. They were quite they didn't have a problem. They're just yeah, you know, just okay. the back box. It's not not putting headers on or anything like that. And this. Um, if I had a problem, if say I did have a problem with this, you know, you felt there was something wrong with the suspension, it's just a case of five minutes, pull the carpet up, pull it switch out, it undo out. a couple of tabs, switch it out, put the old one back in and okay. drive down to Porsche. So it didn't, it doesn't really worry me. And 
you, you, they can't void your warranty. So say your engine imploded, they can't say because you've got a um, DSC controller that caused your engine to implode. You know, the, the Australian consumer laws right. would protect you. Would protect you. Okay. There's no way they could they could try and like I mentioned. I remember somebody. Uh, I was hearing on another on another podcast I was listening to, and uh, they were saying, "Oh, they, this dealer voided this car's warranty because he did X some small thing." And there's no way in Australia with the uh, you know the consumer laws that they could you know by putting that 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 piece in the car they could say, "Oh, well, you know something else went wrong with your transmission or your um, your motor," and they could void your warranty. So, but if I had a, if I had a problem with my suspension, yes, I'd change that out and go down to the dealer and say, hey, we've got a problem with this front shock or whatever. Yeah. Is it an, so it's an expensive expensive mod, is it? It's quite expensive. Um, <laughs> if you, if you, if you, well, well, it's all, uh, it's all comparative. <laughs> they've, just, they've, just, they've just put their price up because they, okay. they, they realise they're saying, well, I think if you bought it from, uh, there's a dealer in Sydney, uh, I think it's $2,400. Okay. okay. But I got it from uh, the, I got it for, once again, it was a second-hand unit fellow parting his car out, selling his car, and I got that for thirteen fifty. Oh, that's good. You know, so, that's good. Yeah. So, and like they're well sought after. They come up on uh, Renlist and they don't last that long. They just, and most of the ones being sold at the moment because there's a three month delay on chip, another chip issue. Right. There's a three month delay on uh, on these units from uh, DSC in America. So people are, sell, are virtually selling their second hand ones. For fourteen hundred dollars US, which is the the brand new price, and they're, wow. they're selling because people can't people want them for their car and they they're can't not prepared get it. to wait. So yeah, no, it's like it's like well, it's like second hand car prices. People want things and you know they're prepared to pay more. All right, David. So you you, you know you've got you've got the pinnacle. I call it the pinnacle almost because it's the nine hundred one point two GT three Touring. You know the Touring is is everyone's favorite, right? People, everyone wants one. You know, in some ways, people want the Touring more than they want the the winged. The wing version. So let's get into the the nine nine two variant. That's that's is it out yet? I don't. I haven't seen one. Um, um, have you seen one yet at the dealer? Is there? Have you seen the seventieth anniversary? No, one? I didn't go. I didn't go down to have a look at that car. And all those days, all that I think it's thirty of them. They all sold, and they're all five hundred and twenty five thousand dollars. Yes, they all sold. Bang, and. Uh, I was just down at my you know, my dealer in. Uh, it just opened last week in Newcastle, and they got an allocation of four GT threes. But the good thing about this dealer, they only sold them to people in the Newcastle Hunter region. They said oh, that's good. they had heap, they had heaps of phone calls from Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane of people chasing a GT three who couldn't get one. And uh, so, and, and here, as a sidebar, Michael, I went to the opening the other night and I spoke to the the dealer principal and I said, "Well, the GT four RS, how many?" Um, Yes. How many people have rung up for one of those? He said he had 20 phone calls. Since they've opened? He said, oh, in, well, they've only been open a couple of weeks since yeah. the car was announced. In like a matter of days, he had 20 phone calls from all over Australia. Uh, he said there were seven local people who rang up. All the people who rang up from everywhere else, he just told them, there's no way I'm selling a car to you from Sydney, Brisbane, Melbourne, Perth, when I've got seven locals who want yeah. the car. And, and he said he'll be lucky to get Two allocations. Two, really? That's it. Two. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's sought after. I mean, but what exactly. what is the have they have they actually announced the price? Or maybe I missed it. Have they oh, announced the price of the well, GT4 RS? Well, I could probably sell my GT3 Touring to them and get a fully spec GT4 RS. A fully spec one in Australia with you know really going Same overboard price. on options. 
would be about three hundred ninety thousand dollars. Wow, that's a that's lot. A fully fully spec. That's yeah. a lot. And like the, it but is, the question I want to ask you though is more more importantly the new GT3 Touring. Is that something that you may be tempted to look at? I, I had my I had my name down for one. I probably could have got one in Newcastle as well because I spoke to a gentleman the other night at the. Uh, grand opening of the dealership and he, he said oh he's just he's just ordered a gt3 touring one of the four they're selling and i said oh when did you come and come in he said i came in the first week the dealer opened i actually know the dealer the owner of the dealership he owns lots of car yards and uh, i'm sure if i'd reached out to him like two or three months ago i probably could have got a gt3 992 but i think by the time i spec that car michael it was in well in excess of four hundred and fifty thousand dollars. yeah exactly and um I don't like the I don't like the electronic dash. I'm a, maybe I'm a bit old, you know. Uh, I like all the dials. That, yeah. That's what that, that, that's what I like. And uh, the electronic in, the interior of the car, even though it looks incredible with uh, the DV, all the uh, two tone leather now you can get, which is not standard, but the options they're now giving on these. Like when the Touring came out, the options, unless you managed to get a um, a paint to sample and managed to wangle somehow some leather major leather options on the car. They weren't available. The 992, right. there's about there's about 10 different um, leather packages you can get as standard before you even go to saying like Pepita seats and things like that. Yeah, they, they course, really the, – the options now, they, they do really push the price up, don't they? I mean, they give you, they're giving you so many more options. And like you said, you're up to oh, 450. You're probably closer to 500 really. You're probably oh, going to hit 500 like, quite easily. If Because I think yeah, it shows on car sales – the no option price is four hundred and thirteen thousand drive away. That's with no options, bog yes. standard everything. Yeah. So you can imagine if you started putting, uh, you know, major leather options, Pepita seats, um, you know, paint to sample, carbon ceramics, you could. Yeah, you're right. You could push towards five hundred thousand dollars very easily. And I just can't. And for a car with the same motor and more power than I'm ever going to uh, put to its potential. Yes. I couldn't see the I couldn't see the value of going that well, that extra no. 100 and 100,000. Yeah, I don't think you need to either. That's where I'm sort of coming from. I mean, I think the the 901.2 GT3 Touring is a special car and I still think it's a special car. It's in that generation with the 911R. It's in the generation with the 911 mm. Carrera T. I know they'll probably do, you know, maybe they're going to do something like a 911R oh. again or a 911 Carrera T. They might do that again as well. Oh. But it's, I'll do a T, I'm for sure. Yeah, but you know what I mean, David? It's the first It's the first reintroduction mm. of it. You're there at the, you know, this is the first reintroduction where they actually use the touring package and they, they make it a proper variant do you know what i mean it's not oh, just yeah. like how it was before in the 996 or 997 where it was just you know you have the live eye buckets or you don't it's it's more special than that um without yeah. the wing and everything so i think it's a really good generation to own and i think it's one and you know look at the prices worldwide i can see you know the prices in london i i remember before i left i was looking at them it's gone crazy as well g 911 career t's gt3 two rings you can't find them Everyone wants yeah. them. And this is after the 992 was announced. You know what I mean? This is after the 992 announced. They didn't slow down. Sales have not slowed down on them. So there's something about that generation, isn't there? And also, in, like in Australia, as I say, there's only about 30 of the uh, of the original touring. But, but you're going to imagine in the – like they sold like 300, say 300 GT3s in the 991.2 generation, probably maybe even more, but 300. But now – Everyone has got the option of having a touring or a wing. So there's going to be probably 150 uh, or more 
in the 992 of the ones without without the wing, but in the 991 to two, it's going to be a very rare car. It'll be less than 30 of those cars in the country. Not the not that I bought it for an investment. It's just, but it is nice knowing that your car it, it, uh, is not losing value as fast as uh, other cars. But Porsches don't lose their value, as we all know. Like I know you want a 997 GT3, maybe, and uh, the prices of those are insane on car sales. Yeah, they've gone too much. <clears throat> They're out of my price range. Yeah. They're out of my price yeah. range now. I'm looking at other you can things. Get it, you can get a no, no, <laughs> Well, a Carrera T would be a better. Uh, wow. Well. You know, like you know, the, the 911 T would it would uh, beat the 997 GT3. I'd say around the track. I don't mind the Carrera T. I have to say, I have been I've been keeping my eye out on them, especially after speaking to you about yours and and you know like. I know you still like them. I know you still, even though you got oh, your GT3 Touring, you still love them. You know what I mean? There's still a, yeah. there's still something special about that car, even though you have the Touring with the better, obviously better transmission, more power. There is mm. still something about that Carrera T. I think I would be more tempted um, to buy the Carrera T than I would be to buy a 901.2 Carrera S. Um, yes, GTS. I do like the GTS. I am a fan of the GTS, um, but I don't know. Yeah, I think it's a rarity, isn't it? It's and GTSs, I yeah. guess, aren't that pop, aren't that sort of widespread. But the and, rarity, and to get a manual, and to get a manual, if you wanted a manual, to get a manual nine, a GTS manual, very, very rare. As I said, the nine nine two, I think I sent you a message saying the only manual you can get in a nine nine two will be a GTS yes. or a GT three. Yeah, yeah. You can't get in Australia. In Australia, they've decided no Carreras or Carrera S's will be manual. Yeah, and I'd be interested to see that 992 GTS on the road to see how it looks, the stance of it. Did you see the before we get onto your favourite drives? But before uh, the, the Classic Throttle Shop had that 991.2 um, GTS mm. and silver uh, manual. I think it was yep. 260, and then it went up to two two nine. Was it 360? Wasn't it 360? I forgot. What was the price? 360, 260, and then it went up by 30 grand. It was 299. Um, is, is it, is it, yeah, so it's just the prices at the moment on. But it's sold. It's gone now. That was a yeah, manual GT Silver, very well spec. And they and they sell like, uh, as I say, people. I thought um, to, to get a car at the moment, it's eight to twelve months if you make if you make an order. You know, yeah. um, it's crazy. Like the the, 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 the the first GT3 coming into Newcastle dealership will, will probably be middle of next year. Uh, so. Yeah, he's all, yeah. you know, so it's going to be an eight-month wait for for the car, and uh, they, you know, let, let alone McCann's. I've got a friend who wanted to buy a McCann. That's an eight-month wait as well. Yeah, I know it's everything, isn't it? It's not just it's just not nine elevens. It's yeah. everything has got to wait. Um, that's yeah. good that there's a dealership yeah. though. There's good that there's a Porsche dealership in Newcastle. For the listeners who don't know, that's like north of Sydney, a couple hours north of Sydney, in the sort of region where David lives. Um, but it's good that they've got a, a dealership up there now. That's for sure. Well, it's a peace of mind if you, you know, unfortunately, the only drawback with GT3s is the center lock. And if you uh, <laughs> want to, you know, if, you, if you're broken down somewhere, at least you don't have to tr- tr- truck, the, truck the car all the way to um, yeah. Sydney or something. At least it's only 40 minutes down the, down the expressway to Newcastle. The center locks That's look the, good, uh, though. They look good. Oh, that, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah oh, exa- exactly. I like, you know, I've already, you know, I like the wheels, but I've already been looking at some uh, other wheels. <laughs> have you? Oh, I would keep the wheels well, you've got. Not, I, I keep the stock oh, wheels for sure. I'd like to. I'd like two sets just so I could mount one set with a set of uh, um, 
you know, the, the Cup 2s and maybe have the uh, PS4s for the road because the only drawback of a Cup 2 is if it's really, really wet. Not that I take the car out in the rain or you know, drive it yep. every day anyway, but that's uh, one other you know, thing. But anyway, that was just a you – know, you, know, you might uh, – if you get tired of the wheels, it's always nice to have another set yeah, of wheels. Yeah, true, true, true. So let's get on to it, David. Let's get on to the – because, you know, everyone, as I mentioned in the beginning, if you you live in the – we'll just say the Hunter Valley region of New South Wales. You're close to the to the famous Putty Road, um, which we're, we're going to try and meet up at, at one point yes. in, the, in the near future for sure and, and have a coffee and have a drive. Um, so what is it – what is the – Tell the listeners about your, your favorite your favorite driving roads. Is it the putty or is there someone else? If someone's coming to to the to New South Wales, they're driving out of Sydney, they're going up north to the Hunter Valley, or they're going in that region. What are your favorite uh, favorite driving roads, David? Well, f- well, first of all, Michael, as I said, if we meet meet up, I'll let you have a drive of the GT3 touring. Oh. There. <laughs> <laughs> <You> sure, <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be fun. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we that would be the death of me. That would be the death of me. I won't be able to. I won't be able to drive the Carrera again after that. <laughs> uh, well, say a, a really fun drive. You know, like for people out of Sydney, if you've got the time, is up. The, you'd, you'd go up the Putty Road, and you'd uh, then go to Brankston, which is you know, at oh, the yeah. end of the Putty Road. It's about twenty minutes. And then I go. There's a great driving road goes out of Brankston, out through East Gresford, Gresford across to Dungog. And then over to Gloucester, then you'd have lunch at Gloucester, then you go up the Thunderbolts way to Tamworth, and uh, that is a—it's just a, a great road. It's, you know, you, you seem to be climbing up and climbing up for the whole drive. It's just because you go up into the uh, New England tablelands. So it's a Australia's not a, for overseas people. Australia's not a really mountainous country. It's the flattest, flattest continent on earth. But uh, this is a great road, which actually has great elevation changes and a real fun. I did that with a uh, in the Porsche Club. I was in the, and we okay. did a drive to Queensland, Queensland this year, and uh, we were at Gloucester with like thirty cars. And uh, one, I said to my wife, "Well, let's we'll, we'll just take off and head towards Tamworth." And just in front of me, a guy pulled out in a nine nine six turbo, and him and I stuck together like glue for the next two hours or a bit of whatever it felt like driving to Tamworth and it was the most spirited drive I've ever done on a public road in my life. Oh, it great. was uh, incredible. It was a great oh it was great fun. So that's a great road. So I haven't been to uh I haven't been to Dungog since I was fourteen, I think. I've been there <laughs> once before. <laughs> Uh, no, to... well, that's a great, it's a great drive. So, you know the Putty Road, then yeah, you know, yeah. You could go to Dungog, and then then uh, it's like a weekend drive you could do, and end up at Tamworth. Uh, Fantastic. It's a, that's a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I remember that one. What about so overseas? That's, that's have you driven? Yeah. Have you have you been? Have you driven any great roads overseas, or just mainly in Australia? Um, well, a couple of years ago, I uh, joined up with a friend. We both went to Europe back in the day, and uh, he never came home. I came home, but he, he lived there for the next uh, 30 years and we joined up and uh, he passed away with a brain tumour last, uh, or two years ago now. And okay. um, I went over there and looked after him, helped look after him. But um, what's his name? Uh, we, before he had this brain tumour diagnosed, we, we, I went over him and he had a garage in the West Country of England. And I said, look, let's, hire, let's fly to Munich. And we hired an M2 in Munich, and we did uh, 15 mountain passes. It's a oh, Porsche book, a great Porsche book. And we drove 15 mountain passes across the Alps through um, Switzerland, Austria, oh, fantastic, and it, and Italy. And it is the and we we just followed the route the book showed. Yeah. And uh, over over four days, we did 15, uh, 15 mountain passes and oh, uh, three nights, and then 
Wow, oh, fantastic. You can hire Porsches now out of the Porsche factory. That would be the yeah. ultimate hiring a 911 and doing this sort of drive. But uh, I'd love to do it again because uh, I've done it a couple of times and it's a real um, you know, uh, you know, thing to do, especially if you get – as a sidebar, just before COVID started, there was eight of us got together and we were going to go to uh, – Italy and go to all the car factories, then fly to Germany and go to all the car factories there, the museums and everything, and we were going to drive the Alps. And we had one planning meeting and then COVID hit. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we never got to do it. We, we might do it again. You should. You should. That hiring the 911, the Porsche from, from Stuttgart there is a great one to do. You have yes. to book in really early though. They go very quickly, the good oh, ones. Oh, yes. Um, but that, exactly. But if, I think even just for a few days, you know, just get it for three days or four days. Um, it's not that... I don't think they're that expensive, but that would be that's no, that's something really, I want to do it's too. Not too bad. Yeah, we yeah, were gonna. Well. I was wanting to go to the Porsche factory, uh, the Porsche museum as well. And the thing is, it's open again now, but Germany's so hard to get into. But the factory's not open, so you can't do the factory tour. And I think mm. if you go to the Porsche oh, museum, okay. you want to do that fac- factory yep. tour, even though they don't let you take photos or film anything. Just to go into the factory, I think is something special. Yeah, um, well, so I, I definitely want to do that. Oh, you have? Yeah, I did that. Yeah, I did that a couple of years ago. Was it good? Oh, it was amazing. Well, we went there, we got there and uh, we stayed in a cheap hotel nearby. Yes. Um, it was like 40 degrees in Germany. Incredible. It was incredibly And the air conditioner didn't really work at this hotel. <laughs> Germany's awful and, uh, when it's hot. It's the worst uh, place. It was, it was that for, and, but, but we went to, uh, the night before we did the museum and the factory tour, we went to uh, Christoph's, which okay. is their fine, the fine dining restaurant, which looks into the museum. And the, yeah. as I say, if you're, if you're a Porsche nut, do go, stay the night before. Go to the go to the go to Christoph's, and uh, it's a great diet, you know steaks and everything. Beautiful food, and then yep. next day we did the uh, museum, and then we did the Porsche factory tour. Unfortunately, we didn't have time. I was wondering. Apparently, the Mercedes Museum is even better than the Porsche Museum. It's uh, three times the size of the Porsche Museum. Yeah, it's, they say uh, you should incredible. do them both. That's for sure. You should go to yes. The Mercedes we didn't have time. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm definitely um, – that's on the list to do hopefully hopefully summer 2022 and in European summer 2022 and hopefully things will be open and that will be great. I'm mm. definitely going to do that. Um, yeah. David, what else? Let's, let's – we have to end the podcast because we're about, at about an hour and 15. We like to keep them to an hour uh, for most people. Um, anything else you'd like to share with the listeners about your, about your Porsche journey? Uh, well – the next big adventure is we're doing uh, Targa High Country with the with Porsche Australia. So that's uh, for overseas people. Um, that's um, closed roads, um, and uh, it's in the High Country with so the snowy mountains there. So I'm really looking forward to uh, driving the car uh, on closed roads and uh, yeah, yeah, very exciting roads. So that's uh, coming up next uh, end of January. So that'll be a a bit of fun. I'll, I'll keep you informed. So that's done through Porsche Club New South Wales? Uh, Port, no, it's Porsche Australia do it. Porsche Australia. Um, they take, yeah, Porsche Australia. They do the Targa High Country, Targa Tasmania, and Targa in uh, Great Barrier Reef up in, right. up in Cairns. Okay. But they have, the comp, they have the competition cars, of course, which is open, you know, uh, unlimited, speed unlimited type thing. Yep. But you'll find a lot of the manufacturers, uh, Porsche, Porsche do, I think it's Porsche, uh, do one. One or two of the other manufacturers also have groups that do it. So okay. they take 30, 30 cars, and um, you know you just you do the you normally drive before the um, competition cars go through. So oh, right. you do every you do every stage. Like we, I want 
I want to go and do uh, uh, Target Tasmania in uh, 2023. Yeah, but you do all the same stages that, that the competition cars do, and it's just uh, exhilarating driving the car at uh, its full potential, you could say, off-road, off, uh, under closed road conditions. That'll be, uh, that really sounds fun. great. Where's the info yeah. of that on the Porsche Australia site, is it? Yeah, if you go onto the Porsche Australia site, um, you'll find it uh, in like events or something like that. Okay. I'll have all I'll have a look. all the things that they, they list they do. Uh, a couple of track. Uh, normally, you do a track day before you do the um, before you do the event, and uh, it's not just GT cars and things that go in. There's people with you know, older Porsches do it as well. But um, right. yeah, it looks like a lot of fun. So I haven't done one of those before, but I've done a fit. You know few uh, nights uh we're in the i'm in the porsche club in new south wales and that's a, a very it's growing amazing the amount of new members we had a christmas party just recently with 150 people and 75 wow. cars turned up just for the christmas party and they do they do that that's where you can do uh, motorsport with like-minded people in their porsches uh you know, six or seven times a year and so and good for social drives as well with a wife yeah yeah true true i keep asking about uh cars and coffees happening or anything porsche events happening and everyone says oh, you nothing missed one. You missed one. I, I asked oh, order house i asked chris at order house the other day he uh, said no like they can't do anything because of covid uh, it doesn't seem to we, be we anything did, going on uh, well porsche uh porsche new south wales did one up at there's this great auto um, themed uh cafe up at uh, dural and they tried to limit it limit it to 100 cars right about 150 cars turned up it was a I, I turned up, there was a night, my port turned up and they got me to park right behind another GT3 Touring. Right. And uh, a 911R turned up and uh, wow. and everything from 356s all the way through to, you know, 992s and they had 150 been, cars turned up. Is that benzene or whatever it's called, cafe? Yes, yeah, yes, that was yeah, it. I've yeah, I've seen that. And, uh, that looks like a great, uh, they have some great events there, right? great cars and coffee events. Oh, they, they do. And as I say, the amount of cars turned up and say, they tried to make, you had to pre-register. But about 100 cars were supposed to come, but it was about 150 cars wow. turned up. It was a, it was a fun, fun morning. Yeah, logistics nightmare for them, I guess. So too many people, oh, yeah, yeah. too many people. Yeah, that was that that was that was the thing, and uh, people were taking an hour and a half to get their coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right, David. Let me just tell people your okay. um, Instagram so people can follow and have a look at your car because you've been posting some new images up there. I'm sure you're going to keep posting more. So if you yeah. want to go and follow David on Instagram, it's at nine eleven touring at nine eleven touring. So go and have a look at David's Instagram. Give him a follow. Tell him you heard his story on Porsche Cooled. Um, he's got quite a few shots of his 911 Touring there looking very, very cool. I really do like the black with the silver wheels, you know. I like going back to that classic, you know. I, I'm really, I've really got this thing back for, for silver wheels again, David, just plain silver wheels, not black, not platinum, just silver. I think they look really cool on, on a 911. Yeah, well, when I bought that, when I bought that car, it, did, it, was, bla- it, did, it was black on black on black. And uh, I said to the dealer, I don't, I don't like the black wheels. He said, don't worry, we'll spray them. <laughs> so they, we sprayed them, uh, the Porsche silver, uh, silver Oh, color. right. They were actually black yeah. and the previous owner yeah, had sprayed them black or they came factory from the factory black? No, they were, they were factory black wheels and I didn't, you know, I didn't like the black on black. It just looked too, a bit Darth Vader-ish. And um, I decided to, we, we, sprayed them, we sprayed them silver. So he yeah, did it as better. part of the deal. He, yeah. he just said, look, I'll throw that in and we'll get that done. So he got that done. Yeah, the one that you've got, the, the image you've got in the um, still a Porsche den, the one in the dealership with the silver, it looks, yeah. it looks great. looks really good. Great stance. Great. The front of that yeah. Touring is just beautiful. The front of the Touring is just beautiful, those, those arches. It's a great car, David. You've got, a, you've got a great 911, that's for sure. David, that's it. We're finished. Thank you for, uh, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for telling uh, your, your Porsche Cool Donors story. 
Thanks, Michael. It's been a pleasure being on. Um, and I'm really uh, looking forward to uh, you know meeting up in the future, and we can uh, I can show you my base Carrera <laughs> and see how it compares to your touring. <laughs> oh, we'll give you. A, I'll tell you, I'll give you a drive, Steve, as well. Steve, are you listening? <laughs> I'll talk to Steve about that tomorrow. Um, David, it's been great. Thank you so much. It was really good to catch up at last. Um, like I said, we've been chatting yeah. until the listeners have been chatting on and off for, for quite a while now. So it's really good to catch up. And thank you for coming on last minute. Um, I kind of just told you a couple of days ago that that I needed someone to come on and I, I thought of you as the first person. So thank you so much, David. Thanks, Michael. All right, everyone. Uh, that's it for today. Thanks for listening to the Portugal podcast. That's Owner Stories number 61 with David uh, coming in from uh, Hunter Valley in New South Wales in Australia. 901.2 uh, GT3 Touring, black, beautiful car. And before that, David owned the uh, 911 Carrera T, another really good uh, 911 from the 991 generation. All right, everyone. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Bye for now. Bye for now.